listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 327. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and joining me for the episode is my co-host, Pontus Bergmann. See ya! Hello! <laughs> okay. Hey, son, hey, son. hey, son. Hey, son. All mixed up there. Now, we have tried to cover for Andras because he's out yeah. having fun. Well, he's working, I'm sure. <laughs> he's Sicily, was it? Is it, is it I Sicily? think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, good for him. I'm not certain if it's Sicily. <laughs> Something about volcanoes. I hope mm. he uh, doesn't step into one. That sounds like you could hurt yourself. So Yeah, that we could ruin a, a Thursday or a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of hurting oneself... I'm guessing, Annika, you've heard, everybody's heard, yeah. um, that we have a new disease Yay. coming. Monkeypox, monkeypox. COVID is old hat now, so sure, we, we need another. Yeah, we need a new trend. <laughs> yeah. And of course, because of the pandemic that we've had for the last couple of years, uh, it's natural to compare the two and say, oh my God, there's another thing coming. But this... And I think most people have realized this by now as well. This is not looking to be the same or ordeal no. as COVID. Not that it's not serious. It is a serious disease. And it's related to smallpox. And that sounds alarming. It is alarming as well, in a way. But it's not at all as contagious as COVID. So um, to get infected, you have to be in direct in physical contact with somebody who's infected for a prolonged period of time doesn't travel through the air like SARS-CoV-2 does. But uh, yeah, everybody needs to be careful. And um, one risk group is uh, people who have several and casual sex partners. That's close enough to get the disease, I guess. Uh, so the ECDC, the European Center for Disease Control, points that out. And they also say we have to be careful that it doesn't spread to animals because animals can get it too. And the reason that is dangerous is that if animals get it, it, it can become endemic to Europe, which is it's not at the moment. Mm. I hear countries are buying vaccine doses now just in case. Didn't Germany do that? Did I, I think that? so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, and. Good on them. I mean, best to be prepared, but I hope and don't think. Well, it doesn't matter what I think and hope, but the <laughs> experts seem to be uh, in agreement that it's not going to be the same thing. So yeah. hopefully not, hopefully not. Yeah. Hmm. But it, it was. it's really like we're in a bingo game also. And people are just like, okay, and now we've got monkeypox. <laughs> so hey, it's hey, just like, we're the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Love to monkey around. <laughs> Thank you for um, filling in for Andres here. Yes, <laughs> this point. he wasn't here to sing, so I felt <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> and talking about singing, there's something I always reminded of when people talk about singing and the Eurovision Song Contest, and that is our European Skeptics Congress. Oh, the ESC. Yes. <laughs> okay, I wondered what the connection was. Yeah, so there's one ESC with it's about singing, and one ESC. It's about thinking. <laughs> about thinking, thinking yeah, critically. Exactly. As we, I think, mentioned in all of the 10 episodes before, this year's ESC will be in Vienna in September. And mm -hmm. I'm super excited to go. Um, I'm really happy. And I cannot guarantee that there will not be singing. 
<laughs> well, I can pretty much guarantee that we'll be singing. <laughs> there will be singing. Yeah, not, not the in main the official. Attraction. No, not in the official program. But you can always walk up to us, people, and and sing. We will sing to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't promise anything. <laughs> yeah, but Harry, if you didn't if you didn't get a ticket yet, you should. You should. You should go to the EXO webpage. We will put it in the show notes. But it's ecso.org. And then you'll see it's on the front page there and there's how to sign up or as Anders pointed out last week, register. It's really the same thing in our world. So <laughs> go there and register and don't miss the miss out the, the, the dinner. The yes. dinner is not very expensive. And almost everybody who has signed up right now have also signed up for the dinner. So mm. uh, a lot of people will be there and uh, don't miss that. Awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have something else that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I want to plug something. Some Ooh. good news mm. here at the top of the show before we get all depressed and miserable later on. Mm-hmm. Listener Stefan from Germany wrote in to remind us about the upcoming DA exclamation point award. Yay. That's, har- <laughs> that's hard to read. It looks better in print. DA exclamation point. And that is from the Düsseldorfer Aufklärungs- Aufklärungsdienst. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Düsseldorf, I know that is um, that's a city in Germany. Yes, <laughs> uh, but uh, help me out here, Annika. Aufklärung. I think it means enlightenment. Yes, is it does. So, yeah, enlightenment. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that's good news, right? So the DA award, we covered this two years ago when the awards were new, uh, mainly because at the time Natalie Grams was the patron for the first year. And we love us some Natalie Grams. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I'm, I'm afraid we must have missed it because we, I don't think we mentioned it. But the DA Awards are awards that aim to, quote, inspire artists to take a critical look at religion and irrationalism, end quote. I don't know if irrationalism is a good English word, but it was a Google Translate. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a total of 10,000 euro to be won in different categories. The first one is paintings, drawings, and graphics. Mm. So that's one nice category. <laughs> the other is sculptures and installations. The third one is photography and media art. And the last one is the public award. And I, I haven't read that now, but I seem to remember that that one is awarded by the public. You can vote for that. But regardless if you can vote or not, you can nominate people until the 24th of July. And uh, the, the people you nominate must be living in Germany. That's the boundaries for that. The theme of the year is Die Macht des Mythos, <laughs> or The Power of Myths. Yes. And <laughs> um, the, the organizers have support from the Düsseldorf City Museum and the Kunstbüro Düsseldorf, which I believe is the Art Bureau, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. And also the Giordano Bruno Foundation, which mm-hmm. we have mentioned off and on sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some private donor, maybe donors as well. I don't know. But it's a very nice initiative. And we gave the DA Award uh, the Really Right Award. So we gave an award to an award back in 2020 on episode 211. Nice. <laughs> so, um, so thank you, Stefan, for reminding us. And mm-hmm. thank you for the info. Thank Very you. Very nice. Yeah, thank you to everyone who's uh, sending things in, yes, including my absolutely. friend, Der Butler, Mirko Gutja, because he actually sent me a message of like, hey, Annika, I think you misread uh, the book title last week. 
of the book by Martin Puntigam, Werner Gruber and Heinz Oberhummer. <laughs> Because I said Gedanken lesen durch Schecken streicheln, uh, which would have translated to reading minds of pinto horses. <laughs> yeah, we talked about horses. I didn't know. Said, I, I didn't realize did. what the, what was it about horses. Though. And the thing is, I must have, like, my brain must have, have been in a twist last week because hmm. it clear as day says Schnecken streicheln. Schnecken. Which, which means stroking snails and not uh, little horses. <laughs> There's a big difference between snails and horses, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's what only one N uh, was made the difference there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, it's still fine. pretty funny. Like, that, that's a, definitely a, like a brain typo in my... <laughs> on my <laughs> brain typo. Okay, that's good. I like that. Yeah, so thanks you for everyone who's sending stuff in, including corrections. <laughs> And, Especially um, corrections. We don't want to be wrong on this show. We, we, I'm sure we are more than we know, but we, we try to be correct. Yeah. And we definitely don't want to confuse horses with snails. <laughs> That can, can be dangerous. Okay, so um, I think we should get get on with the show, Pontus. And because we don't have an Andrush, I'm pretty sure we won't have a twish, right? No, I have not prepared a twist in Andrew's absence, no. <laughs> I do, however, have a Pope. Wonderful. So let's just move and jump over to the Pope then. <laughs> okay. So last week, Frankie met with Bono of the rock group U2, of all Ooh. people. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. As an aside here, Bono has a thing for popes, I believe, because he <laughs> once met John Paul II as well. So. And he's not even a Catholic, to my knowledge. So. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe he sees popes as fellow rock stars and it's just famous people to hang out with. <laughs> The occasion this time was that Francis had called for what he called a Laudato Si week. Now, what mm. is a Laudato Si? <laughs> <laughs> Laudato Si, uh, that's Latin, and it was uh, the name of Frankie's second so-called encyclical, which is a paper that popes can write to the world when they have something on their minds. And uh, Laudato Si was issued in 2015, and it was all about how we need to take care of the planet, mm. take care of the environment, etc. So, serious subject, and Frankie spent last week reminding people that he expects us, I guess, to take care of the planet. And Bono was there to show his support, probably. I don't know how he got invited. But there was a very interesting exchange of words between a dialogue between them, between Bono and Frankie, uh, because Bono did something rather clever, I think. He tried to put Frankie on the spot. He took the opportunity to test Frankie's views about women. Oh. <laughs> uh, and their role. So he, he asked, uh, and I quote, I would like to ask His Holiness if he thinks that women and girls play the same powerful role in tackling the climate crisis, end quote. Good question, Frankie. <laughs> and uh, Frankie replied that we speak of Mother Earth, not Father Earth. So what? I, I don't know. That doesn't answer the question, really. No. If you call the Earth mother or father, does not really answer the question whether Frankie thinks women should be involved in having a role in, in saving the climate. But then it got even more bizarre because he said, uh, he added, quote, Furthermore, as I told you a short time ago, ever since the afternoon of the apple, 
they are the ones in charge, they being the women. What? <laughs> I mean, think about what he just said. Because a woman was the original sinner, right? Mm-hmm. They are now in charge. All, all women are now in charge. Good, good. Then he, maybe he should abdicate and, and just like let us vote a pope ass. <laughs> yeah, so what he's doing there is actually two things. He's blaming women for sin. Which is already rich. <laughs> uh, and he's implying that all men are victims now, suffering under the dictatorship <laughs> of women, because they are now in charge over them and deciding everything, I assume. But, but does that sound like the Catholic Church to you? Mm, yeah, because it is so crazy that it does. Because <laughs> I think he's just miffed because of emancipation. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're talking about the Catholic Church, the organization where only men can be priests, bishops, popes, every title that is important. And women <laughs> yeah, are in charge. Exactly. Yeah, so... Um, so I don't ridiculous. know what it's up to. That is really ridiculous. And, uh, you know, they say he's a progressive pope, but um, I don't know. Sometimes this was just insane, I think. So that's that for this. There, there was, there is this um, trial of the century, as they call it in the Vatican, against uh, Cardinal Betu. But I'm saving that up a little bit to summarize because every every week there's some news. Yeah. But uh, I will save it up and, and, and when, when we know a little bit more. Yeah, it, it needs to mature, <laughs> it needs like to a ma- good needs wine. It needs to mature, yes. <laughs> like the wine they drink in the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Pontus. And I think we should just go over to the news then. All right. And I will start with talking about climate change. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I read an article where someone talked about her experiences with teaching about climate change in high schools and yeah, how children and teenagers are right now in the regards of climate change. Mm-hmm. This talk she gave in Geneva. She also gave talks in 2019 where Fridays for Future just started running and Greta Thunberg was like, everyone talked about her and the mood was almost electric. Everyone was excited to be active and to change things. And now three years later, she said the mood was very, very different. Of course, there was also COVID in these like last three years. But she said during her talk, the group was murmuring the whole time and she was like, oh man, are they just not interested? But it all came out during the Q&A afterwards where a teenager asked her like, why are you talking to us? We can't change anything. Why are you not talking to politicians? Why do you talk about optimism when there's no reason to? So yeah. you can see that teenagers, I don't want to say every teenager in the world, but these teenagers and children felt betrayed or feel betrayed and pessimistic, understandably so. And what the writer of this article that I read, what she learned about that is you should, in this case about climate change, you should leave the IPCC data just out because everyone knows about climate change now. It's not about denying climate change anymore. It's about getting active and doing something. So in the beginning of a talk like that, you should let the audience talk or vent first. 
and then teach them how to change, how to be active, how to influence politics, how to live environmentally conscious, how to find out if a company is actually environmentally prudent or if they're actually greenwashing their stuff. Yeah. Which means that they are just like doctoring their data just to fe seem greener, but they're not. And also to work more on solutions and not only presenting problems, which is also a lot what, what we did, we've been doing and uh, talking and uh, teaching about climate change. Yeah, and I found that really interesting, especially the point that she made of climate change. is It's not about denying anymore, it's about changing things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, I think this is an increasing problem, I think. There's even... A sort of a movement, people self-identify as climate doomers. Have yeah. you heard that? Yeah. yeah. So you, you're a doomer. I'm a boomer myself, but <laughs> people are now doomers, which means that they have given up. Is uh, To put it very diplomatically, that's not very productive. You yeah. can't give up. We don't have a second chance. And I mean, I don't want to spread the doomer <laughs> message here, but we it is extremely important. And just because yeah. it's very, very difficult, we can't just give up. We have to try. Just give up and say the, the planet is doomed no matter what we'll do. We have to keep on fighting. What, yeah. what is the... It goes back. It's always been the case when it comes to climate change. In the beginning, people said, no, no, the climate isn't changing. That was the first position. And then we proved to them, yes, it is changing. And they said, yeah, 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 it's changing, but it isn't our fault. Yeah, it is our fault. And we proved that as well. And we, I mean, sensible people proved that it is humankind who is destroying the earth. And then they go to the third step, which is, yeah, yeah, okay, I accept that it is changing and I accept that it is our fault, but it's too late to do anything. Yeah. So... No matter what you say, the conclusion is we should do nothing. Yeah, and that's if the conclusion is we don't do anything and you just wait for doom to happen, like why wait, you know? Yeah. It's like if, if you don't want to change anything, if you're not optimistic at all, like you don't have to be optimistic, but you have to have, to have the will to change. Yeah. Otherwise, you can just also just lie down in your bed and stay there. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. it. No. Be, Go just out and fight. Do what you can. Fight with, that, for, yeah. fight and, with us and do, it, do the good thing. And... It is to some extent true that most of us cannot do very much, but we can vote yeah. and we can put, we can hold politicians responsible for what they're doing. Of course, politicians can do things, but only if we vote for the right ones. So vote for the right ones. That's yeah. my, my tip. And with my right, Pondus uh, means correct and not uh, the political leaning. <laughs> uh, quite, quite okay. Quite correct, I should say. Quite correct. Okay, good, good. Okay, we have, to switch subject, we have talked about Meta quite a lot. Meta, the company that owns Facebook. Actually, we've given Meta and or Facebook three really wrong awards over the years. And uh, this might have, this was a candidate for this week, actually, because the thing is that they claim to fight misinformation, right? We've been talking about that quite a lot. That doesn't even really work for them, not in English, which is the big language. But it definitely doesn't work in other languages. And the example here is Spanish. Spanish is the fourth largest language in the world, if you look to how many people mm. speak it. It's over half a billion people who understand Spanish. Mm -hmm. So it's huge. And there was an, an abortion rights group that examined nine big Facebook pages that reached almost three million people. 
And what they studied was how disinformation is uh, disseminated through these pages. And they found that many of the pages repeatedly spread medically incorrect information about abortion without any action taken from Facebook. So that's spread potentially to half a billion people. There was disinformation about the safety of abortions. So they were claiming that it was not safe. They claimed that it led to increased risk of breast cancer, anxiety, infertility, depression, suicide even. All of that is myths. It's been investigated. That's not true. That's not true. When it comes to depression and suicide, I can think of situations where it goes the other way around, actually. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to Spanish. Catholicism plays a big part because a big part of the Spanish-speaking world is Catholic. And there's this link between abortion rights and uh, the conflict with uh, the Catholic Church, which is more or less against it. I mean, officially very much against it. A lot of Catholics, I think, are fine with it. But if you talk to the Pope, well, don't talk to the Pope, actually. (laughs) And I'm I'm very concerned about this, especially about this subject. I mean, Facebook, I'm almost giving up. They are horrible in fighting misinformation, disinformation. It's only they, they speak about it a lot, but they can't do it, apparently. But I'm very concerned about how abortion rights are now the issue in the world. And it's about to disappear in the US. The abortion, the right to an abortion in the US is very, very likely going away. It really will. Uh, We have the Supreme Court there being taken over by ultra-conservative and Catholic activists, really. Six out of the nine Supreme Court judges today are Catholics. And uh, they're not just Catholics. They're also the worst kind of right-wing conservative hacks, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So that's on the federal level. But many of the US states are about to, or in several cases already have banned abortions legally, but they're just waiting for the Roe v. Wade judgment to be overturned. And then these laws that are either already taken, but they can't be in effect yet because Roe v. Wade prohibits it today, or they are planning or working on laws like that. And as soon as Roe v. Wade is away, then I think in many, most of the states, my prediction there will be uh, no legal right to abortion. And I think it will spread. It will spread first within the US, but it will also spread outside the US. So it's a very, very dangerous time. And I thought really humankind had come further when it comes to this. It's crazy. And the crazy thing is, I know this is the European Skeptics Podcast, but to to linger (laughs) on the US a little while, because that will spread to the rest of the world. The crazy thing is that even in the US, most people are in favor of abortions. But somehow the legal system and the political system have been taken over by crazy people. All right, end of rant. But in this case, it is so important that Facebook does a better job in fighting disinformation, misinformation. Yes, Yes, please. Yeah. Something that's also fighting misinformation or not (laughs) is an interest group in the European Parliament called MEP Interest Group on Integrative Medicine and Health. 
Oh boy. Yeah, so uh, as we can already hear, it's not fighting disinformation. It more or less seems to support it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. To foster it. Integrative medicine is just a fancy word of saying, well, let's take all the alternative medicine and integrate it, yeah. quote unquote, into real medicine, which is a terrible idea because yeah. then you don't know what is what. Yeah, it's, it's just a fancy term for what Edzard Ernst called scam. So it's so-called alternative medicine. Right. And they want to focus on the integration of complementary modalities into health systems and to raise awareness of integrative medicine and its contribution to sustainable healthcare and the holistic approach to health. And if wow. you're a regular listener of this show, then you know that there are several red flags in that statement. Yeah. For example, holistic, but also that they're actually saying that they are sustainable. Sustainable? Why is it sustainable? Does oh, it have anything to do with an environment? Or? Oh, probably because it's not using like chemistry, evil chemistry. That's like not naturalistic uh, fallacy yeah, at all, sugar right? Sugar pills. <laughs> it's not harmful with sugar pills. No. If no. it gets into the nature. <laughs> not at so, all. That's right. Yeah. And now they're even planning a conference. And the conference will happen in about a week. There they will talk about how this so-called alternative medicine can improve the resilience to COVID-19 infections and how to recover from long COVID. Mm. I'm just angry about that because they can do conferences all they like. They can do talking all they like, but they're doing that in the EU the interest group within the EU. And that just makes me angry because they're using money for the general public mm. for these kind of bullshit. That makes me angry. And and also they do have money coming in from a business, which is yeah. uh, whether or not they believe in it, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Because some people who promote alternative medicine, they really believe in it and that's fine for them, but it's still very, very harmful. And they have money behind them because we have companies like Boiron, the big uh, yeah. homeopathic producer and others, of course. And since they have the money, they can also afford to do lobbying work and they can influence politicians. They can influence using fancy words like uh, holistic and sustainable and blah, blah, blah. It also convinces the politicians that this is something that sounds good, that you can win votes by, and then they influence things. And we skeptics, we don't have any money. We no. can't do this lobbying. We can just, uh, we can do podcasts. Some of us do that. And we can have. <laughs> Congresses in Vienna, yeah. of course, but we don't reach out to the yeah. general public the way that uh, the industry yeah. does. You can write Wikipedia articles, but <laughs> yeah, we still have an uphill battle to do, and very much so. We don't have the funding in the back, so mm -hmm. if that wouldn't be bad enough, then they also like still take Parliament money for that, and that's that's just like really great, <laughs> like makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, should we not be so angry for a little? while here try mm. to calm down a bit no i think we should stay angry <laughs> yeah a little bit healthy angry but mm -hmm. right now i have something that could be good news if you believe in that social media companies <laughs> can actually do something against what people post on their platforms we talked about facebook before i wasn't very happy with them at least now youtube is trying to do something and uh, they say that they have removed more than 9,000 channels that was spouting misinformation about the Russia's war against Ukraine. So that's positive. They have mm. done something. I don't know how many more there are to remove, but uh, they are doing something. The, the Guardian 
had an interview with uh, YouTube's chief product officer called Neil Moen. And he said that they'd taken down more than 70,000 videos and 9,000 channels related to the war in Ukraine for violating content guidelines. They added that news content on the conflict had received more than 40 million views in Ukraine alone. And that's not just the misinformation. That's all information mm. about Ukraine. So it is. there's no doubt that these channels and these videos have a big audience. Mm. And then, of course, there was a little bit of uh, there. You, you talked about greenwashing. This is—I don't know what you call it when you <laughs> when you misinformation wash uh, or whatever you call that. Uh, so this is a little bit sales talk from YouTube, and he said, "Quote: The first and probably most paramount responsibility is making sure that people who are looking for information about this event, and he meant uh, the war." can get accurate, high-quality, credible information on YouTube. So he got his brand name in there. Of course, when you interview somebody from YouTube, they want to point out how responsible they are and what they're doing to, in this case, fight misinformation, disinformation. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that they're trying, at least. I hope that they're as successful as they uh, want to be perceived as being. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Mm. You talked about being successful, mm -hmm. and there is actually a success story out of the UK. Ah, good. Because researchers in Norwich created tomatoes that can boost the vitamin D intake of a person. Yeah. And that's uh, pretty awesome. There will be a bill introduced to allow the commercial growing of these crops today, actually. So on, on Wednesday, the 25th. Currently, they are not used for food production because the UK is under EU rules right now. But the Brexit actually enabled the UK to be more progressive in that regard. So wow. it actually enables them to have gene-edited food on the market. And that's actually really smart because one-sixth of people in the UK are deficient of vitamin D. And vitamin D is important to have strong bones, strong muscles, and it can also reduce cancer if you have an en enough of an intake of vitamin D. You can see that it's like a public health benefit. It's really good. Normally, 30 minutes of sunshine in a day would produce enough vitamin D through your eyes and skin. But a lot of people don't have these 30 minutes during the sunny hours We're of talking the day. about the UK. It's yeah. raining all the time. A, it's raining all the time. And B, it's also like, I still remember when, when I was a teacher in training time, like I left the house six something in the morning and came back 5.30 in the evening. And if I wouldn't leave the house immediately to get half an hour of sunlight after coming home, I wouldn't get these half hour of sunlight. No. Sometimes that's just not possible. And that's why either taking supplements or eating these tomatoes <laughs> is so beneficial. And gene editing can also in the future help with drought-resisting plants or insect-resistant plants. So yeah. it's actually a really cool thing. And I wish that the EU would, would also get their um, shit together <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> because yeah. like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that Brexit could be beneficial in one single case, but that I, I seems was going to, to be say, like, yeah. this is the first good news yeah. I've heard about Brexit. Yeah, exactly. It won't compensate for all the bad news, but <laughs> it's no. remarkable that that's yeah. one good thing that's yeah, coming out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
people are scared of GMO. They, yes. That's, and it's understandable, but it's a lack of information. It's not, it isn't dangerous. Of course, you can do crazy stuff with GMO, but you can do that with a lot of things. Yes. You can also do fantastic things with GMO. And if you, you of course, you need to have regulations and, and, and things like that. But it is crazy to say that because this tool potentially could be used for bad, then you're not allowed to do good yeah. things. You could use salt to do very bad things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, like, we shouldn't cook with it anymore, you know? Yeah. Speaking of lobbying the EU, somebody needs to lobby the EU about uh, the benefits of GMO. Yes, yes, yeah. please. I think I think the EU is very wrong. It's really wrong <laughs> in what they're mm -hmm. doing in that regard. I think they've gotten a really wrong about yes. GMO once. I don't remember. <laughs> I but. think I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I now want to hear who has been really wrong this week because this was our last news item and okay. concludes the news. So, yeah, let's just hear who has been really wrong or right this week. Some people just cannot stay away from the really wrong award. <laughs> Playing with fire. <laughs> We talked about Meta and Facebook just now, but here's another one. Two episodes ago, we talked about Harald Mattes, anthroposophical quack, because all anthroposophy is mm -hmm. quackery, in my opinion. Well, not in, I think it's objectively quackery. He got it two weeks ago because he was on television and claimed that he had proof that there was a lot of adverse effects of the COVID vaccine. And he knew so because he has asked people to fill in an internet survey. It was <sighs> stupid. And now there's more idiocy coming from the same uh, source, namely from his hospital, <laughs> the Havelhöhe Community Hospital in Berlin. Do you pronounce it anywhere remotely like that? Yes. <laughs> Havelhöhe. Mm -hmm. All right. So employees at his hospital are recommended by their employer, the hospital, to take a vaccine regimen that is not approved. And this is the option to do... They have just made this up. The dose splitting with frequency increase, as they call it, quote-unquote. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you take the vaccine dose that is usually administered as one shot, and you divide it up. I don't know how many times, but maybe four or five, six times, and then you increase the dose a little bit every time. I don't think... And I, that wasn't really clear from my research here that if the, this hospital actually administers vaccinations or not, because it's an anthroposophical hospital, uh, my bet is that they don't. But they encourage the employees to take the COVID vaccine in smaller doses, which is not according to the guidelines of the manufacturers. It is not tested. It is not approved. Great. <laughs> We have no way of working if it works or not. I would bet it doesn't work because it's such a small dose. So probably the immune system does not re respond to that small dose. Even if there's many doses, if they're so small and then perhaps a couple of weeks in between, um, probably doesn't do anything. Yeah. So it's probably not dangerous. I mean, the vaccine isn't dangerous. 
Yeah, but, but every probably, kind of needle has a tiny bit of an infection, like risk. <laughs> that is correct. I that that's right. Uh, good that you pointed that out because every every intervention has a small small yeah. risk. And <laughs> even if it's very very small, if you do it five times instead of one, then you especially like completely in vain. Like. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the big problem is that people believe that they are vaccinated afterwards, but they haven't been vaccinated, or they have been vaccinated in a way that we probably can say is totally ineffective so the danger is then that they feel protected and they don't wear a mask and they don't do this and they don't do that and they they maybe they expose themselves or their old grandmother to covid without you understand what i'm saying it's very very stupid to do that and all again thanks to our friend not friend harald mattes so once again (laughs) Anthroposophic quackery shows its ugly face and spout nonsense. And for that, Harald Mattes gets his second really wrong award this month. (laughs) This month! This month, yeah, wow. (laughs) And we can just hope that he stays away from it. But I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of anthroposophy, this is why anthroposophy is dangerous. And this is how they make shit up. They don't even bother to test things. In this case, they just say, let's divide it up because it feels better for them not to take all of it at once. But they they don't test it. And this is very much like anthroposophy in general. Yeah. They don't test anything. And they say their remedies can't be tested because all treatments are individualized, quote unquote. Yeah. Whatever that means. And I just to have a little side (laughs) excursion here. I have had this argument with uh, a lady called Ursula Flatters. She's a doctor, but I call her a lady. I maybe shouldn't even call her a lady. She's a woman. But she is. she does have a, a real MD diploma as well, mm-hmm. amazingly. She used to be the head of the now-closed anthroposophical Vidar Clinic in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I think it was in 2019 that finally had to close. That was good news. And now we don't have any anthroposophical clinics in Sweden mm. anymore but anyway I had this exchange with her and roughly paraphrasing it goes like this anthroposophic remedies cannot be tested because each treatment is individualized by the doctor who administers so then you ask them well so how do they know what to do then the doctors mm-hmm. the answer is they have a lot of experience okay so but if you have experience and you write that down I'm sure you can analyze that and you can test it. And the answer to that is, well, it doesn't work like that. Anthroposophy is different. Okay. But <laughs> if you don't write anything down, how can you learn anything? How do you know it works? And the answer to that is, well, our patients are very happy with the treatments. That's not answering it. <laughs> it's crazy talk. Uh. That's not how you build on it. That's not experience. No. That's just by blindly doing whatever you feel like. And you can, according to this logic, you can have two different doctors seeing the same patient, or let's say two patients with exactly the same symptoms and background. And one doctor administers one solution and the other something totally different. And they're both right. Because of anthroposophy, they, 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 there is there are no rules. There are general things like 
this and that. But there are no, and, there, and if you have a system that works like that, there can never be any improvement either because you don't collect the experience. You don't throw out things that doesn't work because you don't know what's working. <laughs> By definition, everything they do works because the patients are happy. Yeah. One plus one equals five and the patients yeah. are happy. <laughs> and if the, pa if the patients for some reason isn't happy, like I wouldn't be <laughs> if I got treated. Well, then it's their fault, obviously. Then it's my fault. Yes. Yeah. Then it's the patient's fault. <sighs> exasperating yeah i am glad we are almost rid of anthroposophy in sweden i just hope it will disappear from other places as well from I think the planet <laughs> from the planet from germany i think we'll have to wait a bit oh yes and then we, of course we have homeopathy and a, lo a lot of other stuff as well and more or less the same reasoning around any of those yeah. quackeries. Well, we still have to have reasons to do this podcast, right? <laughs> so Right. God forbid we have uh, nothing to do. Actually, I have said this in other contexts, that, that the, the ultimate goal of the skeptical movement is to not be needed anymore. Yeah. Exactly. We would be very happy if we... I mean, I'm happy to sit here with you, Annika. I'd like to do this. <laughs> but I would be very happy if this kind of information that we are trying to convey wasn't necessary. Yeah. yeah. Because if everybody had the same sound, critical thinking, skeptical mind, questioning, not cynically rejecting everything, that's not what skepticism is, but questioning things, looking at it methodically, seeing what's working... Changing their minds when th new things come up. Exactly. If everybody was like that, then skepticism would, would not be needed as a separate thing. Yeah, but I would say this award for Harald Mattes was very well deserved. <laughs> ah, that's right. <laughs> And that concludes our show. Thank you, Pontus, very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But of course, I don't want to let anyone go without a quote. This quote is by Socrates, who was an ancient Greek philosopher who died 399 BC. And he has nothing to do with pinter horses. No. <laughs> Just like last week. <laughs> And also not with snails. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike last week. <laughs> okay, what did he say? He said, there is only one good, knowledge, and one evil, ignorance. Ooh, that short was and short. <laughs> short and pithy. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, I sort of hesitant to divide things into good and evil because things are often more complicated like that. But I do think that if you see it as a spectrum anyway, the knowledge to the knowledge end of the spectrum, that is better than the ignorance, ignorance yeah. end of spectrum. Yes. Yeah. All right. Very good. So, uh, the, I, again, I think I've said it before. It is fantastic to be able to learn. And hear people yes. speak. Well, I heard it through your mouth, Annika, <laughs> but I can hear the thoughts of people that haven't been around for over 2,000 years. Yes. And that's great. Knowledge people <laughs> and writing things down, unlike anthroposophers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like philosophers uh, triumph uh, over anthroposophers anytime. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And with that, we have to say goodbye. Thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Hey, do. Tschüss. Wie <laughs>
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. The, 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 I'm too tired. <laughs> 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 Uh, I'll just skip that part. I'll just edit out that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I scroll down. Fuck. <laughs> no, that's not really said. Something. Sorry, I'm always starting with something, so I should... Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say something else. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Created tomatoes. Tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> well, you say the one and I say the other. <laughs> <laughs>